I'm Tanya Fitzpatrick. And I'm Ian Fitzpatrick, and this is World Footprints. I don't want my kids to not be able to see the beauty in the world and experience these things because of certain rural areas. So it's kind of, I don't know, it's like a give and take because you have to be prepared to experience certain things and hope that you don't experience that. But at the same point, unfortunately, we have had conversations with my four and six year old about racism and them knowing that unfortunately, sometimes people that look like us aren't welcome certain areas or people don't mean, you know, seem to be welcoming to us. But also realizing one telling them, of course, because their kids and their impressionable that it's not everyone. That's Monet Hambrick self-described working mom, wife, and the writer of the family-focused travel blog, The Traveling Child. Monet, her husband, and two daughters, and sometimes her parents, have traveled all over the country and the world as a testament to the power of family and intergenerational travel. And Monet's family have taken the road to explore America from an RV, which can be an adventure in its own right. In addition to her blog, Monet has written for several outlets, including The Points Guide and Essence.com. But closest to her heart is her children's book series, The Traveling Child Goes To... The first book in that series is The Traveling Child Goes To Rio de Janeiro, which is one of our favorite places, babe. Yes, it is. One of the things I love about Monet is the decision she and her husband made to travel with their kids. Her eldest daughter took her first flight at six weeks old, and her family traveled to Colombia, another one of my favorite places, with their second daughter when she was only 10 weeks old. Monet created The Traveling Child to inspire parents to explore the world with their kids and give families the confidence to embrace the possibilities and opportunities that traveling has. We hope Monet's RV journeys with her family inspire you to consider the possibilities for growth and the transformation that comes from traveling, even if it pushes you to go beyond your comfort zone. Here's our conversation with Monet Hambrick. Monet, welcome to World Footprints. Thank you so much for having me. It's our pleasure. So, you know, RV travel is booming, certainly in this COVID era, but you've actually been RVing quite some time with your family well before the pandemic. What was that first trip like? When did you take it and what was it like? Yeah, our first trip was back in 2018. We did a Southwest U.S. road trip really a bucket list trip for me, especially my kids didn't really know what RVing was then. So not something that they were necessarily looking forward to, but something that they loved. And my husband was like, you're really going to have me drive this RV. (laughs) But he he jumped on board and we went, um, we flew to Las Vegas and then we went to the Grand Canyon, Antelope Canyon, Monument Valley, Horseshoe Bend, Sedona, and just really tackling all, you know, the beauty that the Southwest U.S. has to offer. And it was absolutely stunning, beautiful. We did Zion and Bryce Canyon as well. I'm sure you learned a lot from that first RV trip experience, but what do you wish you had known before you had traveled looking back at it? I definitely wish I knew that the propane only lasts for so long and there are only certain places you can get Mm. it. (laughs) Oh, 
I was cooking dinner one night when all of a sudden the, the stove fire went off and I was like, what's, what's going on? And um, yes, it was late at night and there was no place to get propane near us that was open. So improvised dinner <laughs> that evening, <laughs> um, especially because we were at National Park. So it's not like, oh, you're just going to run, you know, here and do something. <laughs> so definitely wished I had knew that before. So uh, what size RV were you in? Were you in a quite a large camper? Yeah, it was a class C. And I want to say it was probably about 27 feet. Wow. Okay. Okay. Did you guys end up building a campfire for your dinner that night to, to cook your dinner? Yes. <laughs> Luckily, we, ha- we had um, a little something that we could do. But um, honestly, it wasn't much because we actually couldn't build a campfire that night because we're, the park that we were staying in, there are no fires allowed. Uh, so we didn't okay. actually have a campfire. So we had some bread and peanut butter and um, <laughs> no, we just did what we had to do <laughs> until the morning. Look, it worked, right? It worked, and we learned that lesson, and we've never made that mistake again. (laughs) And um, luckily, our kids also like peanut butter, so it wasn't that big of a deal for them. Oh, good deal. Now, I know you've taken several trips since your first one in in 2018, and you've even done some multi-generational trips. And I understand that you converted your mother to travel with you as well. Yes. So our second trip, it was just myself, my youngest daughter, and my dad. And my dad has always wanted to go on an RV trip. So for me, even as a child, just to be able to give him that opportunity to take him on this trip where he had to pay for nothing except driving, if you count as that paying for something. (laughs) But it was great for that. And then the next year, We went as an entire family, my husband, both my kids, and both of my parents. My mom said she would never do an RV trip. Not only did we get her to go, but she always talks about now how much she wants to go on another one and how much she enjoyed the experience. (laughs) Go mom. I am curious, how much experience did you have with camping and the outdoors prior to becoming a seasoned RV traveler? So outdoors, plenty of experience. We love the outdoors, hiking, kayaking, canoeing, ziplining, anything that you can think of. But as far as camping, I have been camping, like real camping once before I went camping in the Okavanga Delta in Botswana, but years prior. But my husband had never been camping. My kids had never been camping before. Nothing like real, you know, nothing what we were doing. So no experience. How old are your children? Right now they're four and six. So on that first trip, they were, I think, two and three, I think they were. Wow. They're still quite little people. Four and six is very, very little. What types of activities do you give them, you know, on the road? Kids are always bored. They're always anxious to do something to to get there. You know, the question, are we there yet? (laughs) I'm sure you guys got that a lot. And so how did you keep them occupied? You know, just bringing different activities for them, something that they can color, you know, during the drive, also creating their playlist for the music that they want to listen to. My oldest daughter is like a walking trivia 
person. Like, I don't know. She just spits random facts all day long. All she does actually on her free time is watch documentaries. So she, yes. So she tells us random facts and she also acts 1 million questions, which is good because she always wants to learn. And I do love that aspect about her. So when we're driving by, she's looking out the window, asking us questions, maybe about the area that we're in or telling us some fact that she learned that looks like what we're seeing, but just really keeping engaged with them. Luckily, they do like to sleep a lot too. So a lot of the times if we're traveling in the morning or during nap time, that takes up some of that, but just trying to play games. I mean, honestly, the games that we played when we were young, I Spy and and different things like that, those classics still work. I'm going to predict that we'll see your daughter on Jeopardy one year. I would not be surprised at all. (laughs) We've done some camping and we did quite a bit this past summer, given the pandemic. And part of what we did was to do some research into where we would go camping and those sorts of things. And particularly, a lot of the outdoors is not necessarily the types of places where people of color go. And I'm curious, what kind of research you and your husband did? And what was your experience like? Because some of the places we went to uh, tended to be conservative, and some of them were not as welcoming to people of color. And we're just curious what your experience was like. So luckily, we didn't have any big issues with racism during our trip, Um, especially the the first one. There were definitely areas like when we checked into the RV camp near Zion National Park, definitely got some looks like, oh, don't see any of you people around here or anything like that. But no one, you know, said anything directly to us or made us feel uncomfortable We actually end up having a really good experience in that camp still. It was our first night. And even though we got, you know, the rundown of how to hook everything up, of course, when you're actually doing it, you forget some things or it just doesn't click. And it was about 9.30 p.m. at night, pitch black because it's November, cold outside. And we had to knock on the person who was uh, in the RV next to us because we did not know how to get the electricity on at all, whatever my husband was doing with the hookup. And it was an older um, white couple and the husband was so helpful. He came right out. He was like, oh yes, I will help you right now. He came out, put on his coat. It was like at least 35 degrees outside that night and came and helped us. So while we have definitely gotten looks certain places, we thankfully never had any serious issues. I'll also say we are 100% aware of everything that goes on as far as, you know, especially in this day and age, we've seen throughout, you know, May, June, and July of this year, it's been absolutely crazy. So we're always mindful of those things, but we, we also try not to let them stop us from exploring because you see those places are so beautiful and it's, we deserve access to the outdoors just as much as anyone else. Absolutely. And I never want my kids to not experience something Mm -hmm. because of the potential of that. And while we're fully aware and we come prepared and we know, okay, you know, maybe that's having us having a backup plan. Okay. If we get someplace and we really don't feel comfortable making sure we know maybe someplace else that we can go, making sure we have the, you know, the money on hand to be able to leave that situation if we need to. But I don't want my kids to not be able to see the beauty in the world and experience these things because of certain rural areas. So it's kind of, 
I don't know, it's like a give and take because you have to be prepared to experience certain things and hope that you don't experience that. But at the same point, unfortunately, we have had conversations with my four and six-year-old about racism and them knowing that unfortunately, sometimes people that look like us aren't welcome certain areas or people don't mean, you know, seem to be welcoming to us. But also realizing, one, telling them, of course, because they're kids and they're impressionable, that it's not everyone. I did see that, you know, in certain camps we went to, we actually met a white family and they were the only one that had little kids in one of the RV camps that we stayed at. And they invited us over to their RV one night, of course, it was pre-COVID. And the girls played with each other and we still keep in contact with them, you Mm -hmm. know, almost three years later. So it's hard because it's real and it exists and it's there. And my husband and I have experienced it multiple times in our lives, but we just try not to have that stop us from getting access to the outdoors, just like everyone else has. This is the award-winning World Footprints podcast with Ian and Tanya Fitzpatrick. World Footprints connects you to the world through powerful storytelling that uncovers the full narrative of our cultural and human experiences. Travel deeper by visiting our website, worldfootprints.com, and make sure you sign up for our newsletter and receive a special gift we have just for subscribers. Here's more of our conversation with family travel writer, blogger, and influencer Monet Hambrick of the Traveling Child blog. If this needs any clarification, you know, people of color, black people, there is a huge population of outdoorsmen. The perception is, you know, that we're not outdoors people. When we've been camping, the we haven't had any issues. The the one thing that gave us pause when we were searching for a campsite, one campsite welcomed Confederate flags and would not have people take them down. And so we chose another campsite. We may or may not have been welcomed there. Um, Some of the reviews we read from other people of color who had camped there felt very unwelcome. So that that was our sign. And I think for people like us, people of color, we have to do just a little bit of extra research to make sure that we're not going to subject ourselves to uh, an uncomfortable situation. So I'm very happy to hear that your experiences have been very positive and certainly for your children. When we're traveling, people may have preconceptions about us. And so just those interactions, that's the beautiful thing about travel, especially when you're breaking bread with other people. I always say, you don't go to war with people you break bread with. And that's what travel does. It breaks down barriers and preconceptions. And we're, we're all ambassadors. So I applaud you for sharing and, and bringing forth this experience uh, with your children. So speaking of which, because, you know, your children travel with you all the time, and I think you've actually done other trips uh, outside of RV uh, travel with them. What are some of the lessons you want these travels to teach them? What do you want them to learn from these experiences? Yeah, well, you touch on it a little bit. It's just For us, them being introduced to different cultures, different languages, different foods, because I do believe that travel does break down barriers. And if they're able to meet people that look different than them and see how 
they're still nice to them and they're still welcoming or whatever the case may be, then I hope that they will become better people because they won't judge people based on the language that they speak, the food they eat, the way that they look, just because it's different than them. So for us, you know, we love taking them to different countries, experiencing different cultures because their minds just brought in. We went to Thailand with them. And now if we go to a Thai restaurant, like literally my daughter will greet you know, the people that work there and say Sodika, which means hello and hi. And like, obviously she's not fooling or anything, but just the fact that, you know, that respect level of teaching them, especially when you go to other countries, unfortunately, there are a lot of tourists that will go to a country and they won't even learn how to say hello in that language. I know. You know? Something as simple as that. And we're always teaching them, like, when we go someplace here, let's learn a few phrases so you can at least say something and just show that you're, you're trying and that there's an effort there. And that also, you won't judge people based on how they live, you know, and what they eat, because even to talk about, I don't want to talk about coronavirus, but, you know, to bring it up and we have people, you know, politicians saying, oh, it's the China virus or it became like this. And, you know, to hear my six-year-old say, well, Every like people are just different. Like certain people eat different things because when coronavirus came up, I don't know if you guys heard, you know, the whole thing with the bats and oh, it was because mm-hmm. people were eating bats. And then you have people running around and saying all these things. And it's like, just because you didn't grow up eating bats doesn't mean eating bats is disgusting. You know, if you were born to different parents in a different country, you would eat different things. So it's all about respecting people. So I love when we travel and they get to see different things and try it. And if they don't like it, it's okay. Like, like my six-year-old just surprises me all the time because she's so willing to try things. And she'll go somewhere and she'll say, oh, well, I'll try it. And then she'll try it. And if she doesn't like, she goes, oh, I I really don't like it. But but at least I tried it. Like, I know that I don't like it. And we really just hope that all the places that we take them, they always get something from it. Um, And I think it's a beautiful thing. And we're seeing that in them. And we really do hope we are truly raising global citizens as cliche of a word that that has become. Speaking of these experiences, I know we've delved into a lot of serious topics around RVing and traveling, but what about some fun experiences that you've had that you can reflect upon from the RV experience? Oh, well, for the kids, our RV trip, the first one we took was the first time they ever had s'mores. So that was just so fun. And then they were like, chocolate and marshmallows (laughs) so for them just to be able to like sit in front of a fire pit at the parks that did allow it and for them to be able to experience that they had the best time ever and also then you know just walking around some of the parks seeing the animals up close they also did the junior ranger um program and they absolutely love that they still wear their junior ranger vests and badges around the house they play junior ranger um so they had so much fun doing that and for me uh, i loved monument valley and bryce canyon those two were just so beautiful to me so just like seeing us like them run around and all of us running around in like the red dirt and learning about everything there rv nights are a lot of late nights just hanging out with each other, you know, things that you just don't do at home because a lot of these parks don't have Wi-Fi or they only have Wi-Fi in like one area and you don't want to like walk over there. So you end up playing games and really just like hanging out with each other. And realistically, when people are at home, a lot of us are on our 
electronic devices a lot. So it's just nice to just be out in nature. As you look forward to the future with respect to RV trips with the family, where might you guys go in years to come? I really want to do a New England fall foliage trip. So I that's like top of the list for me. And then I would love to do an RV trip abroad. Um, I think that would be really exciting to see, you know, if there's any differences between um, the two, but that, that would be great. Where are you guys located? Miami, Florida. Oh, wow. Send some sunshine up our way, please. I guess I won't share that. I took the girls to the beach on Wednesday after school then. Oh, unless you want to make your favorite travel host um, jealous. No. (laughs) So, um, Monet, you know, between the RV travel and uh, your international travels, what is the most transformative travel experience you've had? I would probably say as an entire family would be Kenya because one, to take my kids to Africa, complete bucket list dream. And just the different experiences we were able to have there from going on, you know, once in a lifetime safaris while we were there in Masamara, we actually um, got to see five cheetah take down a topi, which is similar to a gazelle or antelope. And our tour guide was like, this does not happen often on tours where you actually see this happen. So for us all to be able to see that, just going in a safari and, you know, just being amongst these wild animals and having lions walk by you and see my kids like in awe. And then for them to be able to go to Amara village tribe and be able to meet with them and for them to bless us when we come in and teach us their traditions. And, you know, they showed us into their homes and how they build them and, you know, the roles that the women play and the men play and like really taking us in, especially as them being African people and us, you know, black Americans for that connection. And, you know, for us to be able to share similarities and differences and talk about it. And then realistically, honestly, just for my kids to see what, you know, Africa really looks like. And obviously Kenya is just one of the 54 countries there, but the media always portrays a specific narrative and not, not only for my kids to hear and learn about someone telling them different, but for them to experience it themselves and being on Diani Beach, you know, on the Indian Ocean. It was just amazing. My parents came on that trip as well for all of us to experience that at the same time, my parents' first time going to Africa. It was just beautiful. It's a trip that we'll remember forever, for sure. Mm-hmm. Before I, we ask your uh, final question, I just have a quick story to share with you. I recently did a cooking class, one of the, uh, and it was a Kenyan cooking class, one of the experiences. And one of the dishes was the chapate, the, the um, pancakes. Mm-hmm. And um, the person who was teaching us, she was based in Nairobi, and she said, those pancakes, a young Kenyan woman uh, will be judged by her prospective mother-in-law by how, how well she makes the chapati. And <laughs> and they're supposed to be large crepes. And I didn't understand the instructions, so I made little silver dollars. And she said, Tanya, 
these are meant to be pancakes, not dots. And I said, well, I guess it's a good thing I'm married because I wouldn't pass the muster. <laughs> I'd be single in Kenya. <laughs> so one of our favorite questions to ask, it's a kind of a rapid fire question, is pretending that all is right in the world right now and we can travel again and your family aside, you were on a long haul plane flight. Who would you choose to sit next to, past or present, and why? Ooh, I think maybe Mark Cuban. Hmm. Because I am a business person, and he is just so business savvy and oriented, and he seems nice on the Shark Tank a little bit. So <laughs> I feel like he would be someone that would like you could really have a great conversation with personally, but also like you know, sneaking some tidbits of uh, great information. So I think that would just, that would be a great person to sit next to. Well done, well, Monet, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. You and I have actually talked about crisscrossing the country in an RV and I think it would be challenging um, for us in, in some respects, but imagine doing that as a family and then as a family with two, I, I don't know how old her parents are, but, but you know, with two in-laws and, and parents along the way. I mean, that's a lot of people in a very small space, um, but I, I, I bet a wonderful, as she said, wonderful experience for um, her family to bond on the road. Well, it says a lot about uh, how close her family is and that uh, they would do that and have those memories. And as we often talk about it, it, it really is about the memories at this point that we're building. And so kudos to her. And I really give her credit uh, for getting outside of her comfort zone and doing this kind of traveling and going to these outdoor spaces that aren't always welcoming and open, uh, at, at least from a mental standpoint, to travelers of color. And she shared that this has been transformative. It's been wonderful for her kids and just being able to see these great national parks and be in the Southwest with the family. Well, yeah, you know, and it's it's a, a a travel, it's a journey in history, too, because a lot of the places they go are historical places. In fact, I think they're um, exploring some old Civil War cities at this point, and I think that's, you know, very enriching experience for um, her children and, and really, you know, everybody um, who may be following her on her journeys. In closing, we'd love to leave you with these words from Nobel Peace Prize winner and Irish leader John Hume. Difference is the essence of humanity. Difference is an accident of birth, and it should therefore never be the source of hatred or conflict. The answer to difference is to respect it. Therein lies a most fundamental principle of peace, respect for diversity. We're Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick, and we are so honored that you chose to take this adventure with us. Thank you for spending this time and allowing us to connect you to the world through the stories we share on World Footprints. This World Footprints podcast with Ian and Tanya Fitzpatrick is a production of World Footprints, LLC, Silver Spring, Maryland. 
The multi-award winning podcast is available on worldfootprints.com and on audio platforms worldwide, including iHeartRadio, Public Radio Exchange, iTunes and Stitcher. Connect with the world one story at a time with World Footprints. Visit worldfootprints.com to enjoy more podcasts and explore hundreds of articles from international travel writers. And be sure to subscribe to the newsletter. World Footprints is a trademark of World Footprints LLC, which retains all rights to the World Footprints portfolio, including worldfootprints.com and this podcast.